you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. This week, God and Guns. Interview with Greg Hopkins, author of A Time to Kill. Yeah, we're going to talk faith and firearms today. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. Howdy! Brothers and sisters, how you doing today? Well, this is the 363rd episode of the Black Man with the Gun Show, and I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. Thank you for joining me again. Today, I'm going to talk about God and guns. Got an interview with Greg Hopkins, and then I'm going to just close it right out. This show has been sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com, and I'm just glad you're listening. I got a chance to uh, have my first book signing out in Leesburg, Virginia. It was pretty cool. Met about 20 good people. A couple of folks didn't say anything. They just kind of walked on by, but that's okay. I'm an acquired taste, I think. I did get a chance to hug a few people that were definitely huggable. Ed Levine, thank you, man. And all my new friends from the Open Carry crew of Virginia CDL. How are you doing? What is going on in your part of the world? Have you thawed out yet? Got any shooting in outside? Or are you all inside and working on your draw? It's a good time. Spring is just around the corner. Really, it is. Just hang on in there. We can make it. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to get right on with episode 363. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yeah, my first book tour. Well, it wasn't really a part of the tour, but it was just the first time I had to do some stuff, and I got to get my credit card reader together. But I ordered it. It's on the way and all that good stuff. Went out to a spot in Leesburg, Virginia, and uh, the owner of the Q, kind of like that, name's Mitchell, former Marine, Harley Ryder, and cook that has been seen on television. How cool is that? want to give a quick shout out to all the supporters of the book tour. David and Derek and Carl and Matthew Carberry and Joe Johnson and Robert Hansen, Sarah G. Thank you so much for supporting your brother. And what I'm talking about is I have a GoFundMe.com account called the Black Man with a Gun Book Tour. And I'm trying to raise money so that your friend and your brother from another mother can actually come to you and have a 10-state book tour to talk, to motivate you, to make you laugh, and to get you to get a signed copy of my book, Black Man with a Gun, right to you. But I can't do it by myself. So I'm asking for donations, and there's a GoFundMe link on the site. There'll also be one in the show notes, wherever you find this uh, 
podcast, which is now available on Spreaker, on Stitcher, and still on iTunes. If you haven't given me a review in a long time, it'd be much appreciated if you did. Hey, did you hear about the Knicks guard Felton? He's arraigned on gun charges. This is from uh, NBA News. New York AP. New York Knicks point guard Raymond Felton was arranged on two felony weapons possession charges in Manhattan criminal court on Tuesday, following his early morning arrest after a lawyer for his wife turned a Lodi semi-automatic handgun, allegedly belonging to the basketball star, to a police precinct, claiming she no longer wanted it in their home, authorities said. Wearing a black sweatshirt with a peace sign and other symbols on it, Felton was seemingly upbeat as he appeared before Judge Diana Boyar, not only affirmative after he was ordered to stay away from his wife. He did not enter a plea, which is common for this stage in the case. Mr. Felton has no interest in having contact with her, one of his lawyers, James Walden, told the judge. Court records show she filed for divorce from Felton last week. Felton was released on $25,000 bail and was ushered into a black SUV following his arraignment. Under the terms of his bond, Felton can travel to games, bail bondsman Ira Judlam said. Prosecutors said they were told Felton stored the Belgian main FN Herstal model handgun in the home from August through February. A lawyer for Felton's wife, a student at Fordham University School of Law, dropped off the weapon at a station house on Manhattan's Upper West Side on Monday evening shortly before tip-off of the Knicks game against the Dallas Mavericks at Madison Square Garden. The gun had 18 rounds of live ammunition in his magazine, which can hold 20 rounds, prosecutors said. He was charged with a criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree and a criminal possession of a firearm. A firearms charge is punishable by up to four years in prison, and a weapons charge is punishable by up to seven years in prison. The section under which he was charged concerns having a large capacity ammunition magazine. And the former University of North Carolina star made no statement after he arrived at the precinct with the lawyer. What do you think? We haven't heard anything like that since uh, Gilbert Arenas got in trouble back in the day. Like 2009-2010 season, even though he was uh, actually sentenced to uh, 30 days in a halfway house. But New York is different and not the first uh, pro athlete to run afoul of New York's crazy strict laws. Remember that Plaxico Burris thing? He was with the New York Giants back then in 2008 after he shot himself in a Manhattan nightclub. But uh, Burris served two years in prison. Then there was uh, that fighter, way back in the day, arrested at the JFK airport. They had a uh, unloaded handgun in during checkup, the check-in time. He got fined and complete 50 hours of community service. I can guarantee it, if you were not uh, high profile, you'd be in trouble. There was a multi-platinum sellers, rapper, Lil Wayne and Ja Rule. They both got arrested in Manhattan back in 2007. Ja Rule served most of a two-year prison sentence. Lil Wayne spent about eight months in city jail. We'll see what happens with Felton. But I can tell you right now, if you're not a person of wealth and money, you do not want to be caught with a firearm in Manhattan. Just letting you know how it is. Let me know what you think about this situation. NBA stars, 
celebrities, gun charges, the whole shebang. Show notes can be found at episode 363, A Time to Kill. What do you think? Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, you'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Can I talk a little God and guns right about now? Sitting here this morning thinking about the show, episode number 363. And thought, what am I going to talk about? What do people want? What do the people want? One of the last things that somebody asked me about was about my faith in being a Christian and a gun owner, being a gun advocate. I bet you get it too if you're a person of faith. One of the most contested, controversial, and misunderstood elements for people in the gun community is that super combo of faith, Christians, and guns. This problem, this argument, is rarely resolved and has been a catalyst for many folks to leave churches and to stop following clergy members that flagrantly accuse them of murder just for having a gun or being a gun owner all in the name of God. The devout, the believers of the Judeo-Christian family don't see how a religious person or person of faith can be or would want to be a gun owner with the way the media portrays it, I guess. They see it as a contradiction or a demonstration of a lack of faith. I hear stuff like, won't God take care of you? Jesus wasn't armed. How about, doesn't the Bible say thou shalt not kill? How can you be for God and guns? Well, the question is based on the premise that guns equate to murder, death, violence, destruction, and mayhem, and they do not. There is no such thing as gun violence while I'm here, but it's heard daily. There's just violence. There are many things said over and over again that are not true, but after you say them enough, they're accepted. Those that believe this also know little about firearms. Those that believe this or subscribe to this have sometimes been the victims of violence, and that's kind of understandable. And those that believe this have also have a misunderstanding of the scriptures. Why is the victim understandable? Well, when you had something life-shaking happen to you, your response has to be either 
fight or flight. You'll either say, please, no more, take it away. You try to run away or not be reminded of the situation. You, you want to be far removed from it. Or you'll say never again and prepare so that you'll be ready the next time it happens, if it ever happens again. You know that the gun, the firearm, is a mechanical device. That's all it is. It's capable of firing a projectile after somebody pulls the trigger. It can't fire on its own. It has no will. has no soul. It doesn't seek out kids in the city to kill. And it cannot save the person possessing it from evil. It's not a good luck charm. Although it does deter criminal attack once presented, as has been documented many times. It's just a tool used in sports, self-defense, hunting, war, and in the media for effect. An example of that is just recently, like this week, there was a documentary, a docudrama, or re, what do you call it, reenactment of the horrific um, murder of Nikki Goser's husband, Ben, from a UK company. And one of the things that you'll find is an inaccuracy is they gave the guy a revolver to shoot Nikki's husband in the recreation when it wasn't a revolver. Now, that's not a big deal to anybody else except for a gun person and the facts. But if you look at the character that was portrayed, he had a cowboy hat on. A revolver just kind of fit with the prop. Stuff like that is just done for effect. The word gun alone is a scare word. People are naturally afraid of what they don't understand. And because of it, it's used by the savvy and the manipulative to make people do things like vote or give away money. Not the first time. A lot of scare words. There used to be a scare between the relationship between American white and blacks. Today, it's homophobia. People use the gay and the lesbian and transgendered and the bi community to bully other people. Some people just like being scared. In some places of worship, we have leaders that don't support the right to keep and bear arms for one of three reasons that I've found. Politics, local and nationally. Ignorance, but not stupidity. And hypocritical. Politically, if you're supportive of liberal policies, you kind of have to support gun control. It just kind of fits with that whole thing. Government taking care of you. You don't have no responsibility for your own actions. But what is odd in the traditional black church is that despite how it votes, the core beliefs are conservative with the exception of maybe guns and affirmative action and welfare. It's politics locally inside the church, not to chase out the mothers who tithe regularly may have lost children to the drug trade, gangs, or violence. It's socially acceptable to blame the gun, though, in all instances, over a person. You know, Ray Ray or Cree Cree or a little man who's doing time is the murderer, but we still blame the stolen gun that they had. 
That's just how it rolls. Now I say ignorant, not stupid, because we are all ignorant about something. If you grew up in church and became a pastor after being a Sunday school star, choir member, junior deacon, then a minister, there's little room for you to have an education about firearms. It's not taught in Bible college or seminary. And your point of view will be strongly influenced by Hollywood and the tears of the mothers you officiate at for their slain sons. Hollywood does a good job, too, at adding to that confusion. And this is all stuff I've just learned over time. And I've become less shocked when I hear um, aversions to the truth. And then there's that blatant hypocrites that know the truth but keep a status quo going. There are church leaders that own firearms themselves but don't support your right to keep them. Then there's, there's those who have moved into celebrity status and they have armed guards. The Bible for the Christian is as misunderstood as any other law in our natural world. Christianity has been misinterpreted to support the Crusades, the Inquisition, slavery, and other barbarous activities. Guns are not mentioned in the Bible, but I truly believe God is not concerned with anything we can make but the condition of our heart. Jesus never condemned the soldier nor the man that carried a sword for self-defense or war. Neither should we. The Bible is full of stories of war, bloody battles and massacres that God supported. Read the book. There was a revolution in the making during Jesus' ministry that the zealots were trying to manipulate him into. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can confidently or confidently say that the lack of understanding and misinterpretation that gives most Christians their pause. We don't know what we don't know. But that doesn't stop us from making judgments, though. It has been my calling to seek out and minister to the people in the gun community. A lot of them have been hurt, deposed, maligned, mistreated by church people, in quotes. We who are of the warrior spirit are also a part of God's kingdom. We are the protectors of the people. We are the shepherds in the fields. We are the people of the wilderness. We may be Samaritans or unclean Gentiles, but we're still God's people. When we love God's creation, we are the conservationists. Biblically, we have many translations of the Abrahamic, Masoretic, and Hebrew texts. Thou shalt not kill was originally do not murder. And there is a difference. There are circumstances when you must kill, as it is written in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything. You see, we're not so advanced as a people that we do not hurt others still. Someone still needs to take a stand on a wall or take watch. Armed. There is still fratricide as it was in the book of Genesis. There are still wars and rumors of wars, espionage, and bloody battles as there was in the book of Joshua. And there are still acts of terrorism as recorded throughout the Old Testament happening right now. Some of them are the same people. I'd like to recommend three books to you to read 
in addition to the Holy Bible. God, Guns, and Guts, a Firearms Defense by my friend and brother Sig Swanstrom. Minister Pablo Birrell, the Minister of Defense out of Virginia Beach. And A Time to Kill with Greg Hopkins, who will be up next in a quick interview about his book and about the question about being a Christian and a gun owner. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here and a uh, pleasure to be with you. You are the author of the book, A Time to Kill, The Myth of Christian Pacifism. And it's a great book, man. Thank you. Tell me about this book. It took me a long time. And it, was part of my, it, was, it was part of a journey of uh, discovery and uh, as far as my own commitment to uh, what the Bible says. Hmm. Right off the bat, I got a couple of questions for you. Okay. When people say, this, this is my people saying thing, I got, let me say, one, two, three, four. Won't God take care of you? Well, yes, uh, God takes care of us, but, but we have, uh, you know, our own duties in that as well. You know, ju- just as, you know, grace is often described as, uh, you know, if someone gives you a Christmas present... It's uh, God gives us uh, salvation, but until we accept that salvation, until we pick up that present, open it up, and start using it, wearing the shirt or whatever it is that gift is, we haven't actually accepted it, and we can leave that on the table there all our lives. And it, God um, will ha- has never guaranteed any of His people that they will live a life free from. Uh, uh, any, from having to work. I mean, that was one of the basic things that uh, Adam brought on us was, was the need to work in order for our daily bread. Now, mm-hmm. God will provide it for us, but it doesn't just fall out of the sky like manna anymore. That was just for a specific people at a specific time. In the same way, uh, protection is the same thing. When Jesus talked about uh, binding Satan, he said that it, that a a strong man will be prepared with both arms and armor, he says in Luke, that uh, in order to defend his household. And if the burglar knows that uh, that household is defended, he's not going to go near it. And so when we say, God will provide for me, that, I mean, you can just read Saul and or any of the Bible uh, heroes, and you'll find out that uh, 
uh, bad things do happen to good people. And so, you know, we, we get our vaccinations and we get our checkups with the doctor regularly. And if we have to, uh, we go and we get our guns and we learn how to use them, you know, both uh, from the physical sense and the, the legal sense and the moral sense. And all those are part of uh, our responsibility. And it says in what First Timothy 5, 8 uh, says that a man that, that does not take care of his own household is worse than an unbeliever. Well, that right there tells us that God just doesn't magically have paychecks appear. And in the same way, he doesn't magically have means of self-defense appear. We have to take care of that ourselves. Good stuff, man. Another one of those crazy questions. People say, well, how can you be for God and guns? <laughs> well, because God, it's it's part of love your neighbor. It's it's the, you know, Leviticus 19.18, uh, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, in Leviticus 19.16, it says, you shall not stand by the blood of your neighbor, it says in most English translations. But if you look at the Hebrew, it says, shall not stand by and watch your brother's blood be shed. And the uh, Talmudic commentary with that, the rabbis believe that the neighbor's drowning, you have to do something to say. If his ox is in the ditch, then help him get it out. And if he's being attacked, well, get in there and help him. Uh, after all, that was what uh, the Good Samaritan was all about. Uh, he was the one that didn't walk by when the man needed help. He stopped and did every resource that he had to helping the man. And so uh, we can be for God and guns because God orders us throughout the Bible to help the innocent. And he doesn't put a uh, break on it by saying, now you help people, you can feed them, you can clothe them, but if it comes down to outright them, you can't do that. You cannot find that anywhere in the Bible. Um, in in uh, Isaiah chapter 54, along about, it's about the 18th verse, I believe, you will find that God says that I am the one who gives you the technology for the smith to make the weapons. And so uh, God was talking about Smith and possibly Wesson right there, you know, that, yeah, <laughs> that he was yeah. the one to give us the smarts to to make weapons. And, and if God gives us the ability to do that, just like the ability to uh, have our technology to defend us against disease and, and have doctors do all the miraculous things they do in operating rooms, in the same way he's given us it's improv It's throughout the Bible. It, we, we just can't stand by and say... Uh, that, uh, well, I, I hope you're going to do better. In, in the New Testament, James says you can't uh, tell a person who's in need of food and clothing, well, I sure hope you find it. Uh, be warmed and filled, and uh, good luck to you, bud. We're supposed to provide those things. And, and if guns are the particular need, if, uh, if my neighbor is being mugged, he doesn't want me to wish him good luck. He wants me to help him with the appropriate help right now, and that might be a gun. Man, that says it right there. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your background, and how'd you get into this? Uh, well, when I got out of college, I read the book in cold blood, and um, the only time I'd had a need for a gun prior to that was my mom got a weird phone call when I was 16, some guy who, just, who was out of a mental institution that said he was going to kill her with a twenty-two rifle, 
and all we had was, was a bow and a World War One bayonet, and my brothers and I felt kind of inadequate until Dad got home. He was working out of town at the time. And uh, uh, an uncle brought a couple revolvers by, and we learned how to uh, fire them. But after that, you know, until I got out of college, it was fine. But then I read In Cold Blood, and I said, well, I've just decided that I'm not going to go uh, trust up like some hog for slaughter. I'll either go running or fighting. And so I began to study about firearms, and I began to get interested in them and the whole self-defense aspect. And, but as a Christian, I thought very carefully. I, I, I ran into these verses, turn the other cheek, and live by the sword, die by the sword. And the, the whole tradition that has been in Christianity of pacifism, and I said, well, wait a minute. As a Christian, I have to do what God says, so I have to start studying and find out what God really says about self-defense, because if he says I can't do it, then I can't. You know, if if we say to God, well, God, you can have 95% of my life at this one little part over here because I like guns, and you can't have that, well, in at least in that point, I'm a practical atheist, yeah. you know. Uh, and so I couldn't maintain that. I had to be 100% straight with God. And uh, that's what God asks of us. And so I began to study. And uh, I credit Masad Ayub uh, in his book, uh, The Truth About Self-Protection. He has a chapter in there called The Will to Resist. And it was that book in 1983 that really got me thinking and studying. And that's when I started. In 85, I went to law school, and I began to apply those things that I learned to the Bible. And by the time I graduated from law school, I had a, a Bible study. Uh, based on uh, three or four pages, and tried it out at a couple of congregations, and no one argued with me, so I knew I must be wrong. And so I, <laughs> I began to study more. And uh, in 1999, I published a 28-page sort of outline of what I had then, and I got favorable uh, response to that. And in the last 10 years, I started working on this book, and, and the book is the result of what we, uh, what, what uh, my personal convictions came to be, and I wanted to share it with other people so they could have peace of mind and understand that this tradition of pacifism is not biblical at all, and that the Bible does allow us to defend ourselves and others. Where do you think it came from, the, the, the pacifism piece? Oh, well, as near as I can figure, Ken, uh, it, it arose about 130 years after... Jesus ascended. You don't find it in the Bible uh, or taught by any of the disciples. It comes from uh, uh, the uh, church fathers, as they're called, uh, Origen, and um, another one that slips my mind right <laughs> right now. Um, but the uh, it wasn't until the mid third uh, century, the, the 200s, that. Uh, Tertullian is the other one that or Origen and Tertullian began writing about these things, and they uh, began to advocate uh, that that all oh, Christians shouldn't do this. And of course, this is one of the things that Gibbon uh, says hurt the Roman Empire was so many people were going into church work that uh, professionals and were exempt from the draft that the armies got smaller and smaller. Of course, there's some more recent historians that say that really wasn't a factor, and Christians were in the army from the very the beginning to the very end of the Roman Empire, especially after Constantine made it the official religion in, in 312. 
uh, there was certainly no problem with it then, officially anyway. But it, this idea of pacifism, it, it comes from misinterpretation of what Jesus said uh, about uh, turning the other cheek. And turning the other cheek has to do with dealing with insults. If You, you have to take the Bible in context. If, <clears throat> if, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, from which that comes, as starting in chapter 5, along about verse 20, what Jesus is talking about is about establishing new relationships with people and repairing broken relationships with people. And this turning the other cheek falls into that context with that. It's not about uh, dealing with a person who's out to kill me or out to seriously hurt me. It's dealing with a person who wants to insult me, wants to, wants to hurt me in front of other people. And the whole thing about being struck on the right cheek, if a man's going to slap you on the right cheek, then he has to use his left hand. And uh, scholars know I was a history major in college, and uh, my concentration area was Greece and Rome and the ancient Near East. And it's well known that today and for thousands of years, even before Jesus, the left hand was the hand you wiped your butt with. And so if you slap someone with that hand, it was a public insult. And it is even today. It it, it would offend an Arab or any Middle Easterner if you even held your hand up and waved at him with your left hand. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jesus is not talking about that. And and let's think how ridiculous that is. If if I'm in a McDonald's and a guy comes in, when am I supposed to turn the cheek? After his first bullet slams into my chest or after he hits me with the axe the first time, uh, am I supposed to turn somehow on that, it, it just doesn't make sense. Jesus was talking there about a public insult. Uh, so that, that uh, and, and uh, when he talks about, if a man, just a little bit further on, he's talking about establishing relationships. If a man forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And I think most Christians have been told about the, the Roman tradition that had been passed on from the time of the Persian Empire, that, that uh, a soldier could force a native person in one of the countries to uh, carry his pack for a mile. Well, if you're under compulsion, it doesn't matter how much you seem like you're happy to help that Roman, he knows that the law's on his side and his sword threatens you. But once you hit the mile marker and you carry it a second mile when you're under no compulsion, only then do you have a witness. So in the same way, when a fellow jumps out of an alley with a knife and says, give me your dough, and I pull a gun and convince him he's just brought a knife to a gunfight and he drops his knife, well, you know, if I had given him my wallet and said, Jesus loves you, is that really going to convince him that Jesus loves him? But then if I go to the jail after I've captured him and I say, Jesus loves you, man, and I'm going to try to make you my friend unless you won't have me, then he knows I'm under no compulsion. And now I've established a relationship under which I can witness. That's tight. I like that. So in A Time to Kill, how can we find this book? Oh, well, it's it's on Amazon. It's also on my website, which we're just uh, redoing the website. It should be up this weekend, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, it, but my website is www.bibleselfdefense.com. And you can also find out about the classes I teach. I teach classes on 
the uh, law of self-defense here in Alabama, the six-hour class. I train uh, church security teams, for instance, armed church security teams. I teach them Bible and self-defense, and I teach them the law of self-defense. And uh, some of the other classes that I teach uh, to people uh, based on my legal experience and um, my expertise in, in these areas. And but Amazon, it's available on ebooks, uh, iBooks, Kindle off Amazon as well. And uh, so if they would like to get there or if they, if they want a signed copy, they can contact me at my website. All right, man, that's, that's a, a good connection there. BibleSelfDefense.com. And yes. it's on Amazon and Kindle and a whole bunch of different versions. Greg, thank you, man, for coming on board again. Oh, thank you, Ken, so much. And God bless you for your work. And, and thank you for all you do for the Second Amendment and for Jesus. Thank you, man. Take care and God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ken has spent decades as a gun rights activist, law enforcement, firearms instructor, federal agent, Christian pastor, father, or a friend. Get the book that tells what he couldn't say before. Head over to blackmanwithagun.com slash book now to get your copy today. Hey, if you haven't already got your plans for uh, the NRA annual meeting in Indianapolis, you might want to get on it. I'm talking like all the hotel rooms are filling up fast and you want to get your flight ahead of time so that you save a few shekels. Because I want to see you in the place. Um, I'm scraping. I'm talking scraping. I got all the couches dumped out. Uh, I'm almost ready to shine shoes to make some money. But I'm going to be there. I hope I get a chance to see you, too. Hey, I just heard that uh, Hillary Clinton might uh, actually run for president. And the way things are, folks will vote for her, too, anyway, just because they like change. If voting could really change things, it'd be illegal. Black Man with a Gun is brought to you by BlanchardMediaGroup.com. But you know that, right? Because I have uh, That's Life Blanchard podcast and the Unnamed Church podcast. And I'm working on Warrior Cast with my son. See, the whole thing, the deal with that is my son is shy. He's just like me when I was uh, about 17, except for my man's like 22. I was wide open and crazy at 22 at his age, but I ain't telling him that. My man is a lifetime martial artist. Love the martial arts. So I'm going to translate some of that stuff and the love that he talks about and put it on the air. And he's going to educate me and some of this stuff. And he's been getting me fit. Yeah, it's a good deal. And I'm going to try to get uh, martial artists and trainers and mixed martial artists and UFC people and all of you who are into martial arts to be a part of this podcast with my son and I. It'll be like a father and son thing. I'm not sure how long it'll go or how successful it'll be, but it's a project between just he and I, and I'm looking forward to it. Warrior Cast. There is a uh, website up. There's nothing there yet, but, and there's a Facebook page for it. You can find it. Yeah, I think that's all I got for you today. Don't want to belabor it. I know that uh, I took you back with some of that Christian stuff. Hope I didn't offend that many of you, I know a few might be affronted, but uh, charge it to my 
head, not to my heart, meant to educate, to inform, and to enlighten, not to attack. That's not how I roll. But you know that. I want to thank Brother Greg for coming on board, talking about his book, A Time to Kill. You can find it on Amazon.com and his website. If you like the show, please tell somebody. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. Well, son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters.